episode 86 of the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast, a talk with owner and founder of Athletes Nutrition, Jacqueline Sclaver. Jacqueline Sclaver, MSCNS LDN, is a nationally recognized, board certified, and licensed functional medicine sport nutritionist. Her company, Athletes Nutrition, works as with an extensive profile of active gym goers and professional athletes to ensure proper body composition, performance, recovery, injury prevention, and career longevity. Jacqueline has coached over 375 elite level athletes in preparing them for the draft and off-season workouts, as well as 80 NFL and NBA veterans throughout the 12-month calendar and is the team dietitian for former world heavyweight champion Deontay Wilder. In addition to nutrition, Jacqueline is a strength and conditioning coach and a USAW weightlifting coach. From the weight room to the field, she understands the entire training process and how to make her clients perform at their very best. As a competitive athlete herself, Jacqueline understands the lifestyles and demands of athletes. She makes nutrition accessible and simple while educating her athletes and teaches them how to continue to eat right for optimal performance. There is a lot of good information and insight in this episode. Make sure to follow Jacqueline on her various social media platforms and visit the Athletes Nutritional website for more information on their services. Before we jump into today's episode, just a few housekeeping things. Remember to follow the show on Twitter at HWCN Podcast and share this episode or any others that you find value in. Also, drop a rating and review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and get a minute. If you're in the Dallas area and are looking for some fantastic custom cookies that look almost too good to eat, check out Texas Treaties. Podcast listeners can use a special 10% off promo. Use the code PODCAST at checkout. The link to order will be in the show notes. Are you trying to step up your menswear game? Then Etiquette Dawn is the best choice. Etiquette Dawn is a truly custom apparel company that will have you looking like a sharp-dressed man. Check out EtiquetteDawnCustomApparel.com for more information. When you need a coffee that works as hard as you do or is as strong as your squat, bench, deadlift, clean, or snatch, then I suggest checking out Viking Coffee Company. Podcast listeners, use the code COFFEEWITHNOONAN for a 10% discount on single purchases, not subscriptions. Check out VikingCoffeeCo.com for more details and to order the official coffee of the Hangin' with Coach Noonan podcast. Drink coffee, work hard. If you're looking for a quick and effective way to keep your weight room and or locker room sanitized, check out Xanago Sprayer. Bacteria can grow anywhere. The Freedom Sprayer goes with you so you can keep your athletes protected wherever you go. Check out Xanago.com for more information. Now, let's get into the episode with Jacqueline Sclaver. On today's episode of the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast, I am joined by the founder of Athletes Nutrition, Jacqueline Sclaver. Jacqueline, thanks for taking the time to chop it up with me on the podcast. I've been excited for this for a while. I've shared uh, your content with uh, female athletes that I've coached, my sister, uh, other other coworkers and friends. Uh, so thank you, and I look forward to uh, letting you speak more about what you do and just kind of dive in a little bit more about uh, athletic nutrition performance. Great, thanks for having me on. So, if you don't mind, can you do like a little quick kind of synopsis of who you are and what athletes nutrition is? And then we're going to kind of jump off from there. Sure. Um, my name is Jacqueline Slaver. I am a sports nutritionist, a licensed dietitian, and um, I have my master's degree in nutrition with a um, focus on functional medicine nutrition. So I really look at the athlete as a whole um, and try to take all aspects of their life, put it together and optimize performance. I work with about 50% um, of my clients are just active gym goers. And the other 50% are athletes ranging from your typical middle school, high school athlete through uh, professional athletes. Um, I have a big focus in NFL is probably the most amount of athletes I've worked with. Also NBA, um, professional fighters. This year I started with major league baseball. Um, 
that kind of encompasses everything I do. Oh, also some tennis as well. Um, so it's pretty much where my focus is. Uh, I take a really customized dive into people's lives um, rather than giving kind of blanket statements. I really give people a blueprint to follow and teach them how to eat. So my goal is that when they're done with me or when they're working with me, they really understand what they're doing and why rather than just following the motions. I like that, you know, it, the whole deal of you can, you know, lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink it. But here you are trying to impart wisdom not so much that these people don't need you, but they can at least function, you know, kind of without you, right? Because ultimately, I would assume you you have most of your clients for a short window of, you know, a few months to a year or so. But then after that, they either move on to somebody else or they figure it out enough to be, you know, semi-proficient for their day-to-day -day, daily lives, some people do, and some people come back to me, you know, they'll stay on a plan for a few months. Let's not forget with athletes, things are always periodizing, changing, competitions can be changing, seasons can be changing, they're getting older, they're, you never know, right? Something can always come up. So a lot of people do come back to me. Um, but yeah, I want them to try to understand what they're doing. Think about like an athlete, if you, like with COVID, we said, listen, there's no training, there's no, you're not coming into the gym anymore. What are you going to do? A, a typical athlete, no matter how old they are, they can go out in the field and figure something, something out, right? But if you say to them, like, what are you going to do for your food? They don't know. No idea. Zero. So they need, people really need to understand. I really compare it a lot to the gym. Um, you know, you put so much effort and energy into the gym and how many hours a day, but you have a coach over you and you have somebody saying what you should do every second. When your nutrition needs just as much energy and it's 24 hours, but you don't have somebody standing on top of you. So you really have to put the same energy into that. So when an athlete is looking for a nutrition coach, right, there's a huge kind of moat, in my opinion, that exists between the athlete and the truly good coaches, right? Um, what, would, what would you say is how they could build that bridge to cross that moat? Because in that moat is all the quick, fast, well, I heard it from this guy and I heard it from that dude at the gym. Uh, but oh, by the way, yeah, he's doing uh, eight balls and die ball and HGH, you know, but but yeah, you know, he, he knows his stuff uh, or, you know, this kid, he cut weight right before our, our meet, you know, and he did this or, you know, my girlfriend, she's in the she's in the sauna every day and she cut weight before the powerlifting competition like like quick. So how do we avoid those, those people, those sharks to get to where you are and, and other quality coaches? And unfortunately, those people seem to have more influence or a bigger presence than people like myself who are, you know, respected and well-educated professionals in the field. Um, that's because everybody wants a shortcut or that flashy thing or like, you know, I just sat in a sauna for five days. Um, and people do forget that a lot of the people that we look up to, whether it be on Instagram or you know, wherever you're seeing them in the gym, they might not be natural. Good chance if they look kind of like an anomaly, they are. The exception is your elite level athletes, but they're pro athletes because they are that 1% of the world. But if you're just going into the gym every day and you see somebody who seems like it's too good to be true, it probably is. And in that case, they may not even be, they're probably eating boiled chicken and steamed broccoli, you know, which is like the last thing you want to eat. Um, but I think it's really important that people seek out a professional, just like you would a, a coach. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of coaches that don't know what they're doing too, but you really want to interview and look at someone's credentials, look at what they've done in the past, talk to them, ask them questions, you know, ask them questions before you hire them. Um, I think that just jumping into a program with somebody and it's not just questions that you can, like in-depth questions, you know, I think that's the most important thing, not just questions that I could go Google the answer to, it's probably not right. I think it's really putting depth into questions, like if this were the scenario, what would I do? Or, you know, um, why is a lot of times I work with, with athletes that can't gain weight, especially in high school level. Um, and so, you know, give them a scenario of what you're going through and see how they would handle it. Um, I think that's one of the, the best things you really need to interview the person that you're going to be giving your money to and your time. When you talk about the credentials, let's kind of break down, you know, what you have versus what kind of is out there and, and what is passed off as okay versus what is truly 
legitimate credentials. Like, like in the strength conditioning world, like there's some stuff like, oh, I went to a weekend course. Um, you know, we learned some stuff like that, but then you have your CSCS, you have your USAW, you know, there are things where people understand that if that person has it, they've put in time, there's at least some level of competency. Now, just because you have the doc, the degree in the paper doesn't actually mean that you're truly qualified, right? The college, the, the whoever will take your money. Like there's plenty of people with a PhD behind their name, but are dumb as hell. Uh, yeah, I've, yeah. I've, I've worked with a few, so, you know, but, but what is an RD and, and all that? So I'm actually a CNS. I'm not an RD. There's two paths that you can take to licensure. Um, a CNS needs to have a master's degree in nutrition in order to be board certified by the CNS. And then we can apply to states for licensure in most states. Um, some states don't require it. So there's a lot of red tape and all that. But you either want an RD or a CNS. And ideally, you want somebody who's also licensed in their state because that extra step means that the state really looked back into all my schooling since like I mean, everything from the first day I started college, if I went to a community college in between for the past like 20 years of my life, they looked into that and they made sure that I checked all the boxes. There are some CNS and some RDs that don't fit that that criteria. Also, CNS and RDs all do um, anywhere from 1000 to 1100 hands on clinical hours with a supervisor. So we have kind of put ourselves into application before we go into the field. Now, like you said, that doesn't mean anything. People could do that and never do continuing ed. I don't want to say never, but you do have to keep up with your, with your um, licensing, but you could get away with it. You know, you could just take basic stuff. Um, you want to find somebody who's always involved in like keeping up with the science, reading the research, knows what's going on, keeping up with the supplements, keeping up with the trends in carbohydrates, keeping up with the new products that are on the market that can optimize your performance. You know, there's like a new carbohydrate fueling process product that's put out almost every month now. And you want to make sure the person knows about those products and is keeping up with it. But most importantly, can that person explain to you what you need to understand? Like, can they take the complicated science and make it something that you can understand and execute? Because if they can't, then they're useless. And that's where sometimes people, and I don't want to talk, anyone who has a PhD is very smart, but can they apply it in the real world? And that's the other part. You could take books. We could learn tons of stuff in the books and there's all these numbers and this and that. But when I have an athlete out in the field, things aren't going to go straight by the book. So what I have to do is take the science that I know as the best proven science and put it into real world application, which, listen, I may have to bend the rules a little bit. You might not be able to get to say 2.5 grams of carbs for every kilogram of body weight every four hours. Like This is a real person out in the field. How much can I get into this person's body and how's it going to happen? Um, so are people comfortable with making those adjustments and how can they apply them? Those are the things that really step that really separate someone. And then also, you know, believe it or not, I've met some sports dietitians that have no background in strength and conditioning that um, don't have, have never been an athlete themselves. I'm like, you've never played a sport. How are you going to coach an athlete? I mean, to me, that's a prerequisite. If you have not been an athlete yourself, how do you understand what this person is going through? I'm with you 100% on that, you know, and that's, it's interesting because you think about it from a coach standpoint, like I never played soccer outside of like the few years of rec league, but I, but I coached it for six years. Now, was I a good coach? Probably not. Um, but I do know that my athletes could testify to my willingness to improve, right. And that whole continuing education. Um, you know, anything that I put myself into, I want to learn more about it. I like, I don't just settle for being average or, um, just whatever the textbook says, but on the flip side, you know, we talked about an athlete looking for a coach. How do you then as the coach determine who do you want to work with? whether they're the elite athletes or the general population, because just because someone says they want to work with you doesn't mean they actually, they're actually worth working with. Absolutely. I mean, you have to get a point to your career where you get to pick and choose who you work with. <laughs> Not everyone has that luxury. Um, and so at some point in your career, you're really taking on everybody 
And that's part of how you learn who you don't do and don't want to work with. You got to go through the trenches. You don't just get to one day you're just like, oh yeah, I want to work with these people and not with those. Um, so for me, you know, luckily, I guess most people who are going to seek me out and pay for my services have a little bit of a will or dedication to what they're going into. Not always, but a lot of times. Um, so that kind of weeds some people out. But, um, you know, if I get somebody who just has like a wall up to everything or just like, I don't know, I need you to do everything for me. Now, there's two categories. There's the pro athlete who is like, I need you to do everything for me. And that's what I'm there for. I'm your concierge. I'm going to take care of everything from your chef to talking to your doctors to coordinating. If you've got flights and you need food, like you don't worry about anything. You just need to eat. That's the pro athlete side because they got to play their game. Now we got younger people who like don't want to put any effort in. It's like, well, I, I, what do you want me to do? Like you need to put some effort in it. You need to tell me the types of foods that you want. You need to pack your lunch and eat it when you're at school. You got to put effort in. And if they can't, then I can't help you. Um, and once in a while that happens because it's the parents that seek me out rather than the athlete. Um, so I think those are kind of the barriers to entry are like, you know, are, what's your willingness to make changes? What's your willingness to dedicate? What's your willingness to not eat pizza and wings on the weekends? Um, because we're going to get nowhere. If not, I don't want to bang my head against the wall. It gets very frustrating. As you know, as a coach, you want everyone to succeed and you put a lot of energy and effort into it. And if they're not giving that in return, it can be very frustrating because then I don't know about you, but like, I feel like a failure. And even if it's not my fault. Yeah. I, I tell my athletes all the time, like if, if I want it more than you do, we have a problem because mm -hmm. I can't play anymore and nobody wants me to play anymore. So I need you to come on with it. Um, you know, and, and I know that bad days happen. You know, you, you just, you have a bad day of eating, right? You're down in the dumps about something life has thrown at you. We all have go through those deals. You just have a bad day in the course of a game or even a practice. So you, you know, a lot of people resort to food as their outlet. So how do you combat and help athletes combat that default coping mechanism of food? Cause that's, that's an addiction. We, I think yeah. probably 90 plus percent of people suffer from whether they want to admit it or not. So listen, food has a huge emotional tie-in. Um, you're stressed out about a game, you eat. You win a game, you want to celebrate, you want to eat. Um, until very recently, even a lot of NFL teams, like they had a like fried wings and whatever the night before a game was a tradition. And then when they won, they would have oily fried food afterwards. And like the teams are starting to change that. And there's been pushback. I've heard it from my athletes. So these are breaking generational habits. Um, I think the number one thing is to not make people feel like they're deprived. Of course, and, and air fryers are like our best friend for that because we can kind of make these foods at home. I'm not saying you can never go out and have wings. You, you can, we'll build it in, we'll make it work. Is it gonna be before a game? No, it's not. Is it gonna be before you have a tryout? No, it's not. But we are gonna allow you to feel like a human have, have some regular food. Are you gonna be eating Swedish fish and gummy bears all the time? No, like we gotta cut some things out. And this is just, it's its similar to your training. I mean, if you're gonna show up every day and train, like I always tell people, they love to see me like, oh, I, die. I can't eat breakfast, I can't eat breakfast. I'm like, are you gonna show up to training and tell your coach you're not gonna go go run go run today? What's he gonna to say to you? Uh, Yo, coach, I can't do this this morning, I just can't. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, are you kidding me? So I try to make them realize what it sounds like to me when they say like, I can't eat breakfast. Um, so I think it's kind of teaching them that now you're becoming an adult and now you want to get to the next level. And do you want to separate yourself from the other people? Are you trying to get a scholarship? Are you trying to go pro? What are you trying to do with this? Because nutrition is going to be that key to get you to the next level. So I think that there's kind of explaining to them that we're going to have to make some changes, um, not taking away all of their favorite things. Um, and, you know, even learning, it's like coping and learning with life, learning life that you have to have other coping mechanisms that eating cannot be your crutch because in the end, it's actually destroying you, um, which is hard. And, and especially it's very hard. I've had some guys that, um, they go home on the weekends and their mom cooks and they're like, but it's my mom was cooking. And I get it. Like, I, I get that, but you know, pick one dish, pick one thing. You know? Yeah. How many times have you had to have, or have you had any conversations with mom and be like, look, mom. Uh, you know, number 75, number 52, like 
they have to be able to do this. And when you give them this sustenance, it detracts from that. Um, I've actually had moms that have reached out to me and I'm even at a pro level I'm talking about where they want me to kind of follow what their son's doing better. Believe it or not, I've had moms call me. Um, but I have, I've spoken, I speak to significant others a lot. I speak that, that I love because I get the real deal from them. Um, I speak to significant others a lot. I speak to parents. Um, but I think here's where the other great area comes in. I work with a lot of linemen and linemen have this like balance of, they need to have weight on because you need to, you know, either hold off two guys or push through two guys, but you also don't want to get yourself into a metabolic syndrome situation. So, you know, their, their parents and their mothers are used to feeding them so much. So it's now like, how can we take these foods and make them a little bit healthier? Um, how can we kind of take these calories and steer them in the right direction? Um, so there's also a thin line there between having to keep the weight on, but it being a more healthy weight. And then also off season, that's where I see a lot of people fall into this hole of, you know, you have to taper your food to match. You have to periodize your food to match your training. You just do. And if it's an off season or if it's, you know, you're, it, it, you just do, you just have to change it. You can't just go crazy. I understand you want like maybe a week or two off. Do you want to go on vacation? You want to do what you got to do, but now we got to get back into it. You can't wait until a week before summer, summer training starts to try to drop that weight. No so doubt. much, stress. it's so much stress on your body. And then on top of that, I think the one thing I constantly try to drive home is like, yes, weight is always a factor and everybody at the back of their head, they're doing this. They want to look better, but like, we're talking about performance. Performance is the number one reason that people are working with me as athletes. So it's not just about gaining weight, losing weight. It's like performance, it's recovery. The faster you can recover, the more you can train, the more you can play, the more you can win, the better you can get. And so this is all pieces of the puzzle of recovery. And that's what I really try to stress to them. If anybody has followed you on any of your social media platforms, or if they've listened this far into the episode, there's a clear deal. There's a clear sentiment of your passion, not just for nutrition, but helping people. So when you embarked on this decision to create athletes, um, and obviously it'll be in the show notes and, and on the episode, but athletes being spelled with E-A-T-S at the end, um, how did that come about? And, and, and what was it about taking a risk on yourself and betting on yourself that you felt like was going to pan out? Um, you know, I already had started my business. I was in grad school and I was like working with people in New York. Like a lot of trainers sent their clients to me because I was a trainer and they were like, oh, somebody needs their nutrition. Well, Jackie's, you know, she's in school for it. She could do it. I applied for this internship down in Atlanta to do NFL draft prep training, you know, combine training at a facility. And they, I, I was accepted and they were like, we're not paying for anything, but you can get yourself down here and do it. So I did. And then when I tell you the second I walked in that door, I just knew that's what I wanted to do and where I wanted to be. I never really thought to myself, like it wasn't going to work out. I never thought to myself, it wasn't going to happen. I think when I applied for it, I remember, I still remember the second I read the email that I got it. Um, I may have been like, kind of not sure if I get it then, but once I walked in those doors and started that internship, like that was it for me. I was going forwards from there. Um, and then all of the athletes that were there really gave me the confidence. And to this day, like the guys I met six years ago and that were my first NFL clients, I still call them when I'm like stressed out or down and out or feel like I'm not good enough or something. And they, they like, they give me my, their pep talks, but them believing in me helped a lot. And, and I like, I, you know, I moved my butt down to Atlanta. I just, everything I did for the past six years of my life was fully focused on just growing my career, but I didn't stop to think. I never thought to myself, like, what am I doing? What am I giving up? Where am I going? It was just kind of, this is what I got to do. This is what I have to do. And I still do that. I mean, to this day, getting myself into NBA or growing my career in NFL, like showing up at NFL combine, not knowing anyone my first year, showing, you know, showing up at Super Bowl just to network, going to NBA summer league by myself. You know, these are things that you have to do to meet people, put yourself in the rooms and if you stop to think about it, it could be really scary. So I just keep going, especially as a woman. I mean, mostly because like, you're not going to be invited into like the guys crew, like, oh, hey, we're going to come out to dinner with us tonight. It's like, no, hey, here, I'm out here in summer league by myself, in Vegas, going to dinner by myself, but I'm going to show up back up tomorrow at the arena to try to meet more people. How do you, <clears throat> how do you work? You talked about 
working with, you know, and talking to significant others, how do you work with that aspect of ensuring that there's the professionalism and still building that relationship? Because ultimately there has to be a, a, a level of trust that you are going to help these people, particularly on the pro side where millions of dollars hang in the balance from one year to the next versus your high school kid who, you know, may or may not go to a power five school versus, you know, a division two school um, that's really going to be more about their, their film and their, you know, the eyeball test. Whereas at the NFL level, if you produce, you're going to get paid. Yeah. Um, so personal relationships are really important because people need to trust me and buy in. And the people who trust me the most, I'm going to get the best results with. But like you said, there is that thin line. Like I still am a professional. And um, so I think every individual situation is different. You know, some of my athletes have become close friends of mine and I'm friends with their family and I work with their kids now. And that just kind of developed before COVID. I was in the facilities training with the athletes too. And that's another thing, you know, whether it be helping out in the field or like physically in the weight room training with these guys. And that's how I got a lot of buy-in too. You know, if, if they see you're an athlete, they see you're doing the same stuff. It's like, Oh, okay. She gets it. You know, I'm not just here to tell them what to eat. Like I'm, I'm you. Um, and that helped me build relationships post COVID. I'm not in the facilities, you know, I'm kind of working at home. So that gives a little more of that line of professionalism. Um, so yeah, I'm not like hanging out with my athletes at their house. I try to keep professional relationships with their managers, uh, with their agents. You know, if I'm in a certain town, I'll give them a call like, hey, I'm, I'm in your city. You want to go grab lunch? Uh, or if you're in Miami, let's get together. You know, I'm, I'm constantly doing things like that. Um, but does that answer your question? It, it does. It does. <laughs> you said the level of professionalism. So um, yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much how that goes. But like I said, you really do need to have a buy-in from the athlete and their family in order for things to happen. Cause if no one trusts you, they're not going to do what you say. Right. The other thing you, you just recently mentioned was about being a woman and, you know, more than likely not being invited into the guys club and so much of sports in general is male dominated with a glass ceiling. And it's run by a very small percentage of people uh who potentially either look a certain way or think a certain way and a lot of us are looking up wondering how do we get up there and then you know for you as a woman there's there's one kind of one or two paths for me as a mixed person of color like there's one or two paths you know for other people there might be a whole lot of paths so how do you just say screw it i'm going to go do i'm just going to go do it my way you know, I'll play by your rules as I need to, but at the end of the day, I'm going to do it my way because it's proven to get results. I mean, that's just what I do. Now, does that mean that I don't get the job? Does that mean that some people don't like me? Trust me, I know that there are people out there that are in big positions that don't approve of everything I do. You know, I hear feedback on my Instagram. Oh, you share too much of your personal life. You do this and that. Like, listen, hey, like, I'm not here to impress you. I'm here to like do the best job I can. And I'm here to help. Like my ultimate goal is really, like we said, to help athletes. So does that mean that I've had like barriers where I might not be considered for a job? Maybe, you know, I can't help that. If you don't see my professionalism, my education, my experience, and what I can bring to the table, just because like I'm a woman and like, you don't like my life. I don't know what to tell you. Cause I mean, it's like, I'm not living a bad life. You know, it's not like ethically or anything like that. And I think you know, um, I can't, I don't even want to work with people who are so close-minded that they don't want to work with women, that they don't want to work with people of color, that they don't want to work with, you know, like, I don't want to be in your crew then. Like, there's no amount of money you're going to pay me to want to be in that room. I'm not going to sell out to that. I'm not doing it. I will not do that. I want to work with people who are like-minded and who have respect for other people. Oh, I love that. And I think it's extremely important. You know, I, one of the, the pre-interview questions, um, I asked you, or I, I kind of threw out there was, you know, how do you stand out in the crowd without losing who you are? Um, you know, and one of the things you just talked about was, you know, you sharing your personal life on Instagram or other social media platforms and, you know, kind of picking and choosing where, where do I share? How much do I share? How much of what you share is just to kind of build relationship and trust with and buy-in 
versus just try to enlighten and educate um, maybe women in general, but just other people as well who might be possibly going through something similar or seeking, you know, somebody who kind of has paved the way for them? I mean, for me, it's just natural. Honestly, I have to almost think back and like filter some of the stuff I post out because I would just keep on, you know, sharing. Um, I have like taken on this role that I really take seriously, which is I become a role model for younger women, which to me is the most honorable role possible, especially younger athletes. And I take that seriously. And that is part of why you will see me post maybe my body in a bikini, why you will see me write about how I feel strong, but I might be in something and I'm by no means am I showing my body in a way that's unprofessional, but men can talk about it that way. They can say that, but then I have you know, 40 women or young girls messaging me or people's parents messaging me. Thank you so much for putting that out there. Thank you for making me feel this way. Thank you for letting me know that I can do this and I can be this, or this can happen naturally. Um, if I put in effort and energy to my training and my nutrition. So I ignore all the haters and I just stay focused on the people that I'm helping because that's what I'm doing it for. Um, but I don't, I almost like don't even purposely, it's not like I sit here and have an agenda of like, well, if I put this many posts, I'll get this many followers. I just want to share the knowledge I have. And a lot of times it comes natural. Sometimes I have to sit here and like rack my brain about like, okay, what am I going to post this week? When I get super busy with clients that kind of falls to the, to the side, like the Instagram thing, but it's just really a natural thing for me. Um, and trust me, there's a lot of my life people don't see or know. <laughs> there's so much, you know, I always laugh when people think that I share so much. I'm like, you have no idea, like no idea about my life. You just know what, what is out there. Right. Well, in, in reality, social media is just a snippet uh, in a moment in time of what we choose to consciously share. I mean, for the most part, there's way more that's held back anyway. Um, and everybody just kind of judges you for that moment in time, good or bad or indifferent. You talk about how much honor you have in being a role model for women and not just in a, in an arena like sports, but just as a business person, it's yourself. So how do you construct your mindset in terms of where you want to take your business in the future, aside from just working with more professional athletes and, and other um, sports leagues, but where do you want to grow? How do you plan to grow your, your brand, your, your business, so that you can continue to be empowering, whether you're hiring women or people of color or yeah. guys, whatever, you're, you're still having an impact because you're in a position of decision-making, whereas other people are needing people like you to get to that position so that they can be helped. So I just started to hire some people. Um, I, even when I freelance hire, I really, I mean, I look for women, you know, I look for women. Um, I, I just, no offense to men. I mean, no, listen, if there's a guy there out there, that's great. But for me, like, I like, I like working with women and I want to give them the opportunity. Um, and I have been searching for man or woman. Like I would love, I, and I, like, I don't care. I hate saying people of color. It's so weird to me, but you know what I mean? Like, but like, I want to have a diverse employee. I want that. I want diversity. Um, I'm searching for it. Unfortunately in the world of dietitian it is not very diverse. It's very slowly getting there. Well, you're going to find a bunch of white women. That's what you're going to find. I mean, it's so tough. And I, and I put feelers out there. I tell all the big coaches I know, and all the guys that are working, you know, with different athletes in this. And I'm like, listen, if anyone comes across your path, and they express an interest in nutrition, please send them my way because I am looking to add to my, I'm add, I want to add diversity and I want to add people into my crew. So um, that's kind of how I'm doing it um, and giving people opportunities. Like I've, I have a couple of people that work for me that are like contracted employees that work for big colleges. Um, and I've given them an opportunity to learn how to do things a little bit different because on a, what I've learned from hiring them, but on a college level, it's very different than what I do. It's very like, they don't give personalized nutrition plans at all. They're, they're directed not to. Um, and it's just very kind of like, uh, here, here's the, here, just eat carbohydrates and here's a list of carbs. And I'm like, that's all you do. So I'm, I'm able to teach these women how they can learn how to go into private practice even, or learn how to expand themselves outside of being stuck in that, that corporate structure. Because I think we all kind of need that too. We don't want to be controlled by 
know, unfortunately the strength and conditioning and nutrition world, we are so underpaid. We just are. It is what it is. We are so underpaid compared to the amount of money that we bring in for these programs. Um, and so we have to find another source of income. Yeah. So where does it change? And I don't know if you can even pinpoint like the level in terms of education and schooling, but where, where could there possibly be changes implemented or at least better information provided to people so that they can see being a professional, you know, sport, you know, sport nutrition performance person as a viable job, as a, as a career where one, you can create your own private practice and be your own boss, but two, um, you can go and do a whole lot of cool ass shit, you know? Um, I think unfortunately the entry level into it is like, you're expected to work for a couple of years for free, which like, how many people can do that? I mean, same thing as strength and conditioning world. You see these jobs. I mean, we always, we always kind of make jokes about it, but you'll see a post up and they're like paying $40 a week for a strength conditioning in, intern. And it's like, what? Like what are these people going to live at home? And that's, that's the entryway into sports nutrition too. It's, it's tough. Um, I just completely bypassed that, and it, but I was a little bit older. I would, I, you know, when I started, so, um, so I think it has to start at that level. Like we have to get a respectable pay. We have to. Um, and then you'll see more people wanting to do it because look, you can go into a tech job right now and you can be making a couple hundred thousand dollars. I talk about this with my girlfriend who's getting her PhD in strength and conditioning right now. She's like, man, I took the wrong path. <laughs> people are making a couple hundred thousand developing tech. Like what is going on? So I think there, there needs to be, you know, the, the salary has to go up more. The respect has to go up for that. And then also, um, people need to understand the need for nutrition. Like we're still not quite there. You know, it's like almost there. People are getting there, but we really need to understand how important nutrition is and what a big piece of the puzzle is. Cause there's still so many people that think they can get by just with their training or just with meal prep. Oh yeah. Like, you know, I, I would say that in the hierarchy of things right now, strength conditioning coaches is probably a little bit higher than nutrition coaches just because it's viewed as more important where I feel like you guys as nutrition coaches is probably really more important than strength coaches because at the end of the day, right. You hear it all the time. You can't out train a bad diet. So if you're yeah. just eating McDonald's every day, like, um, who, you know, Dwight Howard smashing Big Macs, and still being able to look like a Greek god is an anomaly. Well, Dwight Dwight Howard, Dwight Howard actually has a chef. Does he is he smashing Big Mac somewhere? I I think that was like the, the like early Dwight Howard like getting yeah. into the NBA. That was like one of the yeah. like, the jokes you always heard. Like he would he would smash Big Macs or whatever. But I mean, he's oh, yeah, Ocho Cinco, who's like what he's out there. Chad's out there promoting McDonald's. He may have a sponsorship by them for now. So I don't even know. I always, every time I look that, I'm like, oh my God, save me. So, and here's the problem. A lot of these kids can get by on eating crap for a certain amount of time. And so they feel like, well, I've gotten this far. And I was like, Rudy, do you know how much better and how different things can be if you're not doing this? And you have to look at the big picture too. Um, it's preventative, it's anti-inflammatory. You know, it's hard when people aren't, First of all, nutrition's not sexy. Like I can't go record me talking with my athlete. Like you can record yourself in the weight room, screaming, yelling, pushing, going faster, harder, you know, doing PRs. Like that's fun. That's exciting. That's great content. It's great. Like with my side, it's like, it's not sexy. Nutrition's just, there's nothing sexy about it. So it's hard to like really promote it make it look exciting. And it doesn't convert instantly. It does a little bit. I have had athletes hire me and they're like, holy crap, I feel so much better, like in one day, you know, that's how bad things were. Um, but typically we're looking at a big picture. And so that's harder to convince people of too. You know, it's like when you hit a PR, like you see the results right away. Right. Right. Now a PR could also be because you ate. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, and it's, I celebrated my birthday uh, this past Saturday. Um, so we're recording this episode on the 28th of March. And so my birthday was on the 26th and uh, my, my baby sister's husband's mom, you know, follow, follow that logic. 
Yeah. Um, I turned 35 and she goes, you know, your metabolism starts to slow down at 35. And I said, yeah, Esther, it's been slowing down for a while. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a big guy. Um, but I also know that like, I have not been as consistent with my training as I wa- as I've wanted to be in the last few weeks to month, but I've also reduced my caloric intake. So I have seen weight decrease. So I'm like, oh, good job. It's pretty not, it, it's really not rocket science, right? Like I think it's um, uh, Lane Norton always talks about it. It's just, it's not rocket science. Like it does take some time to understand nutrition, but at the end of the day, it's, it is simple, right? Is and people what, just take like, I always tell people like take an hour to figure it out. Like I'm here to teach it to you. Understand, just understand it's not that hard. It's really not. People want to overcomplicate things too. That's the other part. Um, and, and listen, with athletes, it does get a little, it's so there's a very different nutrition between your typical gym goer and your athlete. And no matter what level things are different, it's kind of like the same science background, but like how I'm going to apply it is different. The amount you're going to eat is different. The nutrient things matter a little bit more for athletes than they do for like the person who's going, you know, the gym one hour a day, what I have to focus on is completely different. Um, so it gets a little more complex with athletes, but it's definitely not rocket science. Yeah. I think the other deal in terms of, you know, helping, I guess right now we can say we're helping grow this, um, you know, nutrition coach, uh, profession. And I think one of the things that you do a good job of, and I don't know that it's talked about enough is the fact that you get to do and be around a lot of awesome events, right? You talked about the NFL combine, you talked about the Super Bowl. you're hanging out at summer league basketball. You recently worked with Deontay Wilder. So you were there for his fight. Like these are really cool things that if you don't put yourself out there, you're not experiencing. If people don't trust you, you're not part of that camp or that team. So you're not there. So can you kind of talk to what that's meant to you to be around those events that are really kind of very exclusive? You know, yes, people can go to the fight, but they're at the fight. They're not walking out. They're not part of that team, yeah. that process. That's a whole nother. Oh, that, that's, that. a, that's just something I can't even put into words of fight week. What that was like, it was just absolutely amazing. I mean, just even being in the locker room and I like the only woman in the locker room um, and just getting to experience that walking out. I mean, the whole thing is just amazing. It was just such an honor to be able to be a part of that team. Um, but listen, it starts from day one. And first things first, every single dollar I made into my, I made for my business, I put right back into it. And that's how it started. I mean, I don't work for a company, so nobody is paying for me to go to Super Bowl for the week. No one's paying for me to go to NFL Combine. No one's paying for me to go to Summer League. These are all investments I've had to make into my business. And it's nerve wracking. Like, I'm not going to lie. I was afraid to go to Combine the first time I went, and then I did. Now I start to know people, men and women. You know, I've got a good network of women that work in sports now. Um, going to summer league last summer, I was like, I cannot believe I'm doing this. This is to me, it's funny. I laugh now, but at the time I was like, oh my God, it's NBA. It's such a big world. I don't know if I belong in there. And I'm working with NBA players. I had six guys that were drafted. I had two full, I still do have two full-time NBA players. And I still felt like, oh my God, do I belong here? And I just did it. You have to step out of your comfort zone. You just do, because I do belong there. Um, and you have to do that. That's what you have to do to, to, to be there. Um, I think it's always going to feel a little overwhelming until I don't know if we'll ever not feel overwhelming. I don't know. I mean, I do feel, I can say like six years into working in NFL, like I belong there hundred percent. There's no question about it. Sometimes I feel like I should be invited to things I'm not invited to. I'm like, who are these people? They don't really work with athletes. Like I do. I've worked with almost 400 draft prep athletes, 80 NFL vets. Like I belong in those rooms and I'm skipped over, you know, um, that's the point I'm at with that. But, um, it's, it's putting your, you just have to put yourself there. You can't wait for someone else to do it for you. Um, and that's kind of, and you have to take sacrifice and risks and stuff like that, um, to get yourself there. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've never been staying at like the four seasons or Marriott. And sometimes I'll stay at a cheap Airbnb or I had an air mattress one year, in my friend's apartment, <laughs> you know, it is what it is, but I got there. That's awesome. Can you, I'm going to put you on the spot with this one probably, but I, and I know that every event is 
unique in its own right, but is there some, is there of your six years and of personal investment in this, is there anything or any few that you're just like, to this day, you still go, oh my God, I can't believe that I was able to do that. Like, is there, is there just something that kind of still holds that kind of magic sentiment or is it all like, it's just me. I'm just, I'm putting myself out there and I'm just going to make it happen. Well, of course the fight with Deontay, but that's a little different. I didn't put myself. I mean, I was part of the team that, that part was, you know, that was me being part of the team and going along with them and and being paid to be the nutritionist. So, um, but that is just, I mean, every, it's like, even afterwards, even to today, I still go back and look at the videos. It's like, wow, you know, I can't even believe what a big event that was. You have no idea what a big production, a heavy uh, world heavyweight championship fight is until you're really in the middle of it and how serious my role was, how serious it is to take control of every single meal that's going into this man's mouth, who is about to put his life on the line in the ring, who is about to try to fight to win a championship. That is the most responsibility you could ever imagine. And, and not just him, but I was feeding the whole team. I mean, it started from when our, you know, I flew into Atlanta to get a private jet and I had a chef meet me in Atlanta with food for the plane. When we landed in Vegas, I had food right away for the whole team. And this was day and night. It went on and on. Um, and so it's a huge responsibility, not just to have the food, but to map it out and to know how much and when and what, you know, it's just like larger than life. It's awesome too. I would say runner up to that was, you know, I was invited by the NFL to attend the Super Bowl last year as a vaccinated healthcare worker, um, which was so awesome because my first NFL client ever played in the Super Bowl and won. So that was like a really special moment for me too. Um, I did that one on my own. It's kind of weird when you do these things by yourself, but that would, those two are probably the best. When it comes to the whole nutrition process for the fight, right. And your background has been working more with NFL players and here you go into a boxer. Like, how did you prepare yourself to understand? Like there's obviously basic athletic performance needs that are going to transcend regardless of sport, right? You're going to need your carbs. You're going to need your proteins. You're going to need fats. You know, you're going to need hydration. Duh. But the timing of things and when you add a weight constriction, right? Whereas like in the NFL, yes, there, there are some weight constrictions, but it's not make or break per se the way it is for boxing or mixed martial arts where if they don't make it there's you can't just go run it off real quick you know he had to put weight on for him and i have worked so believe it or not my first athletes i ever worked with were fighters were um martial arts fighters in new york city like a non-professional level um so i did do a lot of that in the past and then i worked with um jorge masvidal last year for one of his fights um so it's not fighting is not that foreign to me i also um myself have taken jujitsu, taken boxing. I used to coach boxing um, for, for people. So it's not that foreign to me. I understand the sport, but just like with every other athlete, one of the most important things for me is to watch them train. And now that we're not like in the gym, like I flew to Alabama every Sunday for me, I need to watch my athletes, whether it be on the court, in the field, in the ring, I have to watch their body language. I have to physically see what they're going through um, because I can see their energy. I can see when they're starting to get tired in every sport. And that that's so important to me. And I stress it to their coaches, like, Hey, uh, you might be in Denver and I'm in Miami, but I'm flying out there to watch him train for a couple of days. I have to. And so that helps me understand what I need to be doing a little bit better too. I'm in constant communication with the coaches. Hopefully not all the time the coaches want to talk to me, but you know, of course, in Deontay's situation, we were a team. Um, me being able to talk to the coaches helps a lot also, especially because the coaches are there every day. You know, they're kind of my lifeline off season coaches are hopefully, you know, usually the people that refer me. So I get to talk to them a lot more often. Um, but so transferring it over is not that hard. I will say this. I, I do performance sports. When people come to me for endurance, I do refer out because, you know, everyone's like, oh, it's so easy, Jack. You could just learn it. But like, I'm a specialist in performance. I'm not a specialist in endurance. It's a little bit different of a science. And like, I need to stick to my niche. <laughs> so if pretty much all performance sports, I can figure out. Um, and as I get to know their, because it's not just knowing their, um, their life as an athlete, but you have to get to learn their, their personal life too, and how that flows. So whether it's they're on the road, are they traveling? Are they, how often are they at home? What's their daily life look like? What's their stress look like? 
and that's different each athlete. Each athlete kind of has, when you're an individual sport athlete, it's different than when you're a team athlete. I'm going to close you out with this kind of question. And, you know, for me, I, I'm a firm believer in the power of positivity and, and you know, putting things out there in, in the universe and, you know, speaking them into existence. So where do you, where do you want to see your brand grow to? Where do you want to see nutrition coaches in general grow to? And what's the next, you know, sport league event that you want to go to that you haven't been to yet that somebody will pay you to go to versus you pay to go to it? Um, well, I'd like to see nutrition become, and it's starting to just become a priority, you know, become something that's much more respected and um, is a priority with all athletes. And I want to see more people hiring, not just teams hiring dietitians, but more athletes hiring them as a part of their team outside of the team, like they will with doctors or strength and conditioning coaches or physical therapists. Um, you know, as far as my business, I just wanted to keep growing. I want to be able to hire more people and I want to be able to give them athletes, you know, I want to be able to teach and grow people underneath me and make more positions for other nutritionists. Um, and, uh, you know, I have some things that crossing fingers, you know, I'm just like you, you know, trying to manifest some, some things, always something in the works. Um, but as far as an event that I want to be paid to, to be at, you know, oh, that's a tough one to think about right now. Um, you know, maybe like a U.S. Open or uh, something like that, or maybe um, NBA Finals. I don't know, you know, something, those two would be pretty cool for me. NBA Finals, World Series, U.S. Open. Think about that. Um, those would be, you know, just really big events that that someone's hired me and respects me enough to be like, she needs to be here for this because she's part of our team that's going to make us win. That's the ultimate goal. Oh, I love it. That's awesome. Well, if people don't already know, where are the best places to find you in terms of connecting with you just to see either your content, to reach out, to potentially gain you as their coach, um, whether they're a weekend warrior or a potential draftee? Um, you know, I know you're on a lot of different social medias and I'll link everything in the uh, show notes, but I'll let you have the floor to kind of direct everybody to the best places to contact for you. And then, uh, We'll close it out. Sure. My main platform that I use is Instagram. I mean, that's where I'm going to put most of my educational stuff. That's where I'm on all the time. So it's athletes nutrition spelled A-T-H-L-E-A-T-S nutrition. Um, and then through there, you can link into my website. You can set up a discovery call with me. I have a link tree in there through my, to get to my blog as well. So I would say that's probably your best resource to get to me as athlete is the um, Instagram athletes nutrition. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Jackie, for taking the time to uh, hang out with me and, and talk. Uh, I've been a huge fan of, of everything that you're doing for uh, nutrition and the sports community in general, but also for, you know, just trying to work and, and break down barriers. And uh, I love the fact that you embrace your role as a, as a female role model for uh, not just, you know, young girls and women, but you know, entrepreneurs and, and the such. So congratulations to you on, on six years of, of really hard work. And I look forward to uh, seeing you just continue to grow and, and, you know, thank you for everything that you're doing for, uh, for the sports performance world. Thank you.